How's it going, folks? I'm Marcus. And I'm Rami. And on this podcast, we try and figure out what this podcast is about. And what we're doing with our lives. Thanks for joining us. And this week, we're going to have an interview with a content creator called Patrick Rambles, who considers himself to be a COVID creator. And finally, for those of you who watch this on YouTube as opposed to just listening, we've had a lot of feedback on about trying to make Rami more animated on these videos. So I've done my best as the editor this week. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. NFTs, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, NFTs, yeah. Yeah, yeah, NFTs, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I was giving everyone on, on, on everyone I was in a meeting with that I could. I was like, listen, Little, putting it up to the mic. <laughs> so good. So good. I didn't know if you'd think I was serious. I would love if that was our intro. I mean, why not? We can just do various cuts of them. I think it's hilarious. Also, it's the sort of thing that could, you know, Take off. Yeah. To hook. I love it. I'm just going to play it just this one. Yeah. Yeah. NFTs. Yeah. It's just so keen. <laughs> You're so keen on NFTs. Yeah. Yeah. NFTs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, and fairness. also, you were giving me shit last week being like, you're a classic example of someone who's got an obsessive personality. Your Twitter has, has, has turned and then. Yeah. Radicalized you. Yeah. NFTs. Yeah. 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 Wait a minute. NFTs. Wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The context of that, if I remember no exactly. Oh, you remember con- this exactly. The context of that was John was talking about um, 3D creators. Uh-huh. No, he was talking about, des- I'd asked him about designers and uh-huh. going into VR. Uh-huh. And he said, yeah, do you, you can have a look at all the designers on Twitter who've suddenly taken up 3D and they're turning their NFTs into 3D. And I was giving him the supportive, you wouldn't know much about this, but the supportive interviewer type. I was trying to give him the, hand, you know, enthusiasm. This guy. Did you ever do any synths? Did you ever do oh, any, yeah, yeah, yeah. any sequences right. and stuff? Yeah. yeah. Well, not. I mean, not not well. But yeah, absolutely. What do they it's, call those little pads? The, are they mono? No, not mono. Is it mono? Obviously, not a lot. If I don't even know what the yeah. pads are called, but like, yeah, Se- sequences is my recollection of what they. Yeah. Where you're essentially yeah, that, doing that, these that. ones? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. That reinvented the piano through sampling. I. Uh, this is a logical extension of where you're going right now. Yeah. You're gonna be. You're gonna be doing EDM in no time at all. No. No. <laughs> I'm going to stop. Just just not for a few more episodes. <laughs> well, obviously, this is going to be an arms race, and I'm going to need to get my own bloody unit and start. No, don't do it. No. Oh, no. okay. I shouldn't do it? It's not necessary. One of us needs to have... One of us needs to be able to record the audio. That's the bottom line. So The producer. Yeah. The producer and editor. My role is growing, and when I asked you, would we be doing any marketing or any tweeting, suddenly it got a bit vague again, didn't it? <laughs> I said, let's get to four. First of all, <laughs> we can react. We can let's go to the tape. Let's, let's go to the tape. Can we, we said, go stealth for a while. Let's work out if we're into it. After four, then we can I go know, into it. I'm just kidding you. Um, Kick, uh, so Patrick today, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't think Rambles is his last name. I think it's a oh, stage sorry. name. Uh, Mr. <laughs> Rambles. Well, welcome oh, to the show, Mr. Rambles. Yeah. The Belgium, the Wallanian or Flanders. Is yeah. it Wallana Flanders? Where's he from? He's Netherlands. So he's, he's from, from the, the Netherlands. North, he lives in Belgium. Um, he lived Flanders. in Limerick in the mm-hmm. west of Ireland, which I found out just when I was tweeting him. Tweeting at How does that go? What, what do you call that? What did, I, did I say it wrong? I feel like I said it the way my dad would say it. <laughs> it sounded dirty is what it sounded When like. I was tweeting him. The Facebook. Late no, at I night. think tweeting is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you can tweet someone. I was DMing yeah. him. Does that sound yeah. even more dirty? Yeah, you definitely definitely slipped into his gambles dm i slipped into his dms last yeah. week or yeah and he was yeah. he was up for it so so i know this guy from uh following him so um he makes a lot of content that i like watching um and i'm currently kind of stalking um small to mid-sized tech youtubers to try and learn stuff from them and i'm Smart. like he kind of blew up uh, and i'm like what what are the things he's been doing to get bigger and he seems to have gone from 10k to 30k to you know he's just really really big um i think some of the things that might be interesting to talk to him about as well are i can see him trying to get out of his niche so there's a couple of things with you know youtube which you know better than anyone but i'll just call it out but like if you're going to do tech videos do apple if you're going to do apple videos do ipads do all the ipad videos first you know um stay in a niche and then it's like yeah the riches are in the niches is what they call it because they call it (laughs) niches here um but i can see him doing some stuff outside of his niche like uh last week he did a video he he did a kind of a collaboration with other content creators and i saw him change the thumbnail a couple of times so i know he's playing around with it it's tweaking yeah, and I just kind of, um, if he's open to talking about it, kind of talk about that, like yeah, what's yeah, his plan for his niche and, 
Let's so, do it. Yeah. So this mostly... Is, this is hopefully a chat for other content creators to learn from him through us. I think it's two things. I think it's a chance for other content creators to learn from him, but but also the perspective on big tech for that economy. So so there's the like, how do you start a YouTube channel? Uh, what's, what incentivized you? Like he, he's got a... One of the things I find interesting about him, he calls himself a COVID creator, yeah. um, which is like he has a busy full-time job, but he found himself at home. So in April 2020, he started a channel, and now he has this other stream of revenue from it. That's the chat. We have um, to talk about this. Everyone's yeah. going to become a creator. And yeah, and their own brand. This is a great example. That's really interesting. But there might yeah. be some, and I don't know what he's going to be interested in talking about, but there might be something yeah. as well about when you go down the rabbit hole for these content creators, there's a lot of youtube algorithm chat and how to beat the algorithm and yeah and you know and it's like um what's the latest what's hot what's what's hot but also what's the how does he feel about google as you know a lot of these people view themselves as entrepreneurs which i guess i don't share that view i feel like you're a content creator that's heavily dependent on a platform if the platform goes away do you still have that audience i don't Uh, know farmville was developed on a platform yeah you know, Zina, yeah. now the platform, it's risk. Yeah. But you can still be an entrepreneur on a platform. Arguably every app creator ever who created Airbnb is built on a platform, it's built on iOS. You know, yeah, at and what, I point, get at what that. point is a platform too controlling versus not? True. True. So so without solving it all here, that, that's the yeah. stuff I'm interested in. And he's it. just, he's the right size. Uh, like he's successful now, but probably not successful a long time. Um, and remember, you know, he's probably the reason he said yes to a random person saying, do you want to come on our podcast? Podcast number four. Yeah. He's hustling. He is. He's hustling. And, uh, Love and we'll see where it goes. So, yeah. You said I've spent a lot of time in Belgium. Yeah. you spent a lot of time in Belgium? I have not. How, what's a lot of time? I've spent two weeks there. Would you say that's a lot of time? No. No, no. I'd I say went there on two separate trip. trips with two separate girlfriends. So, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's a whole different show. Um, and yeah, I'd say that's a lot of time because emotionally you invested a lot of time in Belgium. I think Kelly would tell you that that was the trip where she fell for me. The trip I brought oh, her one to of Belgium. the girlfriends was Kelly. That's important. Yeah, <laughs> that's an important. I know why. Hang on, did you repeat the same trip as you did with the previous girlfriend, or was Kelly the first? Girlfriend no, it was totally different. Okay. The first trip was like a shopping trip just to just to Brussels. Uh, the um, trip with Kelly was like we went to Brussels, Bruges, Bruges did the whole yeah. Rent. all the love, love stuff. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was honestly, it was a fantastic trip. Like it was one of the best. I mean, it's perfect. There's it's like amazing, delicious beer, chocolate yeah. everywhere, yeah. Ice cream. museums, yeah. Fries. everything's walking distance, and it's all yeah. old medieval stuff. It's, it's yeah. ideal, right? So I um, had family who lived in the south of Brussels for ages. Mark, Horani, you know that the, my cousins and obviously auntie yeah. and were there. Oh yeah, the, they were the there for ages. Um, more frequently than the reason I started visiting them was because we had a cochlear office, a satellite tech office in Mechelen. Ah. I don't know. And what they Mechelen were essentially is. like European tech center in Mechelen, which is halfway between Brussels and Antwerp. Okay. So you ended up getting this straddling thing where you'd spend time in Brussels, time in Antwerp, and you uh-huh. got to the Netherlands. Have you seen in Bruges? Yes. I've, well, tell me about it. Have you well, seen in Bruges? <laughs> I have seen in Bruges. And in, my, in my opinion, until we get to that level of digging, we haven't dug into Belgium enough. It is just one of the most scathing, all time mainstream movies that so, takes up. I feel like single-handedly was the worst PR for Belgium ever. Do you? I think a lot of people want to go. To, everyone wants to go to the bell tower now and all that stuff where he, where he jumps off and maybe maybe like the ironic Irish because they had an Irish kind of hero who went across. And <laughs> if you had, think but, that Colin Farrell is an Irish hero, you're you're sadly mistaken. Is he not? Colin Faddle? No, he's. I don't know. I don't. He's not. A, he's not a hero. Is he not Irish? Might he's. I, oh, he's one hundred percent Irish. Oh, he's Irish. So what's yeah. the, what's this? I think he's you're telling t- me that an Irish Hollywood star is not an Irish hero. No, he's a hero. I suppose, I don't know, the whole bad boy thing. I kind of see him a bit like Justin Bieber to some degree, like where, you know, when someone goes away from home and misbehaves, you're just kind of like a yeah. clown, you know? So, yeah, like you're doing right now. I'm not misbehaving. I mean, very good. Are you, are you sure? You've become a COVID creator. No, that's not. Is that what we are? I mean, I'm not. Look, whoa. Before you bucket me into this, is I'm just a tag what along. we're doing together? I'm a tag me. along. I would say you, you've gassed. I would say you've gassed up in this process. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Some combo of COVID and kids. Uh huh. And midlife. And gone, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's safer so than you a one anything wheel. happens, anything that slightly <laughs> safer, anything that happens in those four walls, I'm going to assume is midlife related. That's kind of the umbrella. <laughs> Hello. Hey, Patrick. How are you going? 
So I'm excited and delighted to welcome Patrick to our podcast today. Patrick runs a tech YouTube channel uh, called Patrick Rambles. And since first posting a video in April of 2020, Patrick has grown his audience to almost 40,000 subscribers. Welcome to the podcast, Patrick. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here. So how are you doing? I'm good. I'm just uh, just waking up. <clears throat> yeah, it's 6.30 in the morning for you. I actually uh, prepared two coffee cups. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You- You've got you're the you're a yeti. You've got the orange yetis on your desk as well, right? Is that that's one of your things? Several colors. I'm a, I have gas there too. <laughs> yeti. Gas with the coffee. Yeti gas. That's yeah. not good. <laughs> Can we talk about what was the most amazing part of Limerick, or or what are your what are your thoughts on living in the southwest of Ireland? Or can you give a little bit of the you know? Leading I, I'm obviously biased, but Patrick, I'm, you're unbiased. I mean, uh, I didn't live there, but I went there a lot uh, because I was in a relationship with somebody that lived there. And um, yeah, I went there virtually every weekend uh, to Limerick City. And um, I have a, uh, a love-hate relationship with it. <laughs> Not with the city, but with the, with the history, my personal history there, of okay. course. So. Yeah. I just actually, I went there recently um, with my current uh, uh, girlfriend, I have to say, and um, be, because we were visiting somebody uh, that, that I know very well, and um, it was very nice to be back. Actually, it kind of yeah. feels like uh, almost like like I did live there, you know. And, yeah. Uh, a few things changed, and I was like, oh, they changed this and they changed that. So I think Limerick has this really quaint uh, quality to it. It's it's quite kind of a small ish city um lovely vibe i mean when i went when i first went there and please forgive me for saying this everybody was telling me it's stab city oh that's the have you heard that rami i don't know if that's one of the ones that made it to your radar yeah 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 it's made it across yeah so i i thought you know it's it's going to be this uh this rundown you know kind of dangerous place i didn't feel that way no, no I, I quite like limerick limerick's a fantastic city i'm obviously biased but so much history you know King John's Castle. You've got yeah. the River Shannon flowing through it. A, a, absolutely fantastic city. But mm. I'm glad you got to experience it. Um, yeah. So the thing that the thing that I really was fascinated about. A um, little bit of background. So Rami used to work at Google. He was, you know, he kind of uh, worked on. When, why don't you give a bit of background on what you did, Rami, just to, to come clean <laughs> that you were the, you were on the other I side. I think of the we should fence. do it where you introduce the other person and just do it blind. You know, like you haven't seen their their CV and just see. Sure. So you can guess what it sounds like. And you can do me then. So Rami did something uh, at Google, uh, something to do with social, working with algorithms. And he he worked on shorts back in the day and, uh, you know, YouTube shorts before. Was that one of the things before you left? You worked on shorts briefly? Short form video, worked with the team. Right. So that stuff. Now works at a at a fintech company called Stripe, but um, but but has a lot of experience, like seven years at Google um, before doing that. I work, oh, you're going to do my one. Okay. Marcus once worked as a juggler um, at a local circus in Limerick. Um, from there, he's really had a meteoric rise into tech, uh, where he now works as chief juggler at Autodesk. Uh, I think that's about right. That's we about actually right. met. We met. We met doing uh, doing our MBA right. in London at one point in time. Um, and Marcus construction used to build data centers, engineering, all the all the way through to tech. It's, it's awesome, awesome story. And the reason we wanted to reach out to you, Patrick, was. Uh, really struck a chord with one of the things you posted on Twitter was that you see yourself as a COVID creator. And mm. I wanted to dig into what does that mean? Uh, kind of what was your journey? You, you know, start from the beginning, kind of tell tell us kind of what got you here. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so I, I was always a consumer of YouTube. I was always watching videos and uh, they always led me to buying stuff. Uh, I had very early onset gas. And um, <laughs> you should explain gas. A gas uh, gear acquisition syndrome, you yeah. know, when you see something and you must have it and then you use it for a little bit and it's not good enough and you want the better product and, <laughs> you know, and that's also one of those things people think uh, they they need more um, products to be able to start a YouTube channel, but maybe we'll get to that later. But I was a big consumer of YouTube. I was always watching tech videos and uh, every now and then I thought you know, it would be cool to do a YouTube channel myself, but I was always busy, you know, with work and everything, but then COVID came and, um, you know, it's a lot of disadvantages, but it also has a major, major advantage that we are all at home. We don't need to do the commute. So most of us won a couple hours in a day. And, uh, uh, I was basically just wondering what to do with my time. 
Uh, and then I decided to, uh, why not? Uh, you know, this, if there's any good, ever a good time to start a YouTube channel, this is it. So yeah, that and, was uh, and your, in your, April. And your first video was, correct me if I'm wrong, you might have deleted it, but the first video on your channel at the moment is a paper-like review of the iPad Pro. It's a, for people who don't know, iPad Pro, you can get a screen cover, which makes it feel more like pens, more like uh, paper when you're writing on it. Um, t- tell us about what kind of, you know, that first video is the hardest one to do. Tell us about uh, t- the process, like finally getting up the courage to make that video and what were your plans at that stage? Like, did you always yeah. see it as being something you would try and grow or was it just a first video? Yeah, a, a little bit of both. So basically, um, I was trying to find, uh, you know, a topic for my channel. I didn't really have an idea. I didn't know anything about niches. I, I didn't know anything about YouTube or cameras or any of that. So I was just thinking, okay, there's this new iPad that I'm really interesting in, interested in. And um, let's just have a look at that and see if we can do some videos. And the timing was really good because the, the iPad just came out, um, I think, in April even. So there was a lot of hype and a lot of interest in that thing. So I, I thought, okay, let's make a couple of videos about that because this would really interest me. Um, and, and I also got a paper-like screen protector because I was going to use it for a lot of note-taking. And it was a, a pain to get on. <laughs> so I decided to do um, to film my second attempt and have it be a an instructional video, if you will. So yeah. that was the first video ever. And uh, it was basically just a kind of a, a practice video running up to the actual review of the of the iPad. Oh, great. So you, you had a plan from your first video, like I'm going to do this one to learn how to do it. And then the re- like the, the one that I'm going to it's to make this iPad video was your goal at that stage, right? Yeah, the, the the first video was supposed to be the iPad review because I thought it would uh, it, it would attract some viewers at least, and uh, yeah, that was kind of a, sort of an, an incidental little video before that. And when and um, when did it start to become a plan? When did it start to become, you know, this you know this this could be a thing. This is something I want to spend more time on. When when did that happen? Um, not for a little bit. <laughs> so basically, um. Well, like I said, there was the iPad, so I did a lot of content on that, uh, the best apps, you know, what do I like about it, iPad six months later, all the usual stuff. Um, And then I also did a a desk setup, I think, very early, because uh, that's the other thing I'm really interested in, is looking at other people's desks or studios these days, and, uh, you know, seeing what kind of gear they're using. There's a theme here. Yeah, 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 for sure. (laughs) And, um, yeah, so I did one of those, and uh, sort of... kind of snowballed but the thing is that I didn't really have a plan until I noticed you know I was starting to try some other videos and I didn't do so well but every time I did some Apple related content it seemed to pick up so I sort of naturally was or not so naturally forced by YouTube uh, into this niche that I happened to like uh, so I kind of focused on on Apple mostly uh, from then on. Yeah. And, you know, the plan started when I actually started looking at launch dates of products and, you know, what can I do around this launch date? Consistently posting is something I didn't do at first. Mm-hmm. So later on, I think after about six months, I got a plan. Okay, great. I love that story. This kind of followed the river track naturally because the demand was there from the Apple fan folks on YouTube. They pulled you in. You kept on trying to go left, kept on trying to go right. No, they pulled you straight into <laughs> Apple and away you go. I, I, I'm interested how you, what left and what right did you try to do before you kind of drilled down? Um, I, had, I tried some some headphone stuff, I think. Uh, I don't really remember. What else did I do? I, I mean, there was a couple of videos that I did that are sort of off topic, but that still worked. Actually, one my my biggest video is a video on SD card. Scan SD discs. Cards. I saw those. The three the three the three discs compared. Yeah, that's very cool. And, and and that was a coincidence. I wasn't supposed to make that video because the the idea was to do a best accessories video for the iPad, mm-hmm. and those do well too. And they're of course also good for affiliate stuff and other yeah. things. A lot of search traffic. But I had these three uh, SD cards or SSDs, and I thought, why not do a comparison? I have these things here anyway. And, you know, as I was writing the script, it actually got quite detailed. And I thought, let's do this for real and have a real comparison speed test and everything. And to my surprise, that thing really picked up and it's still going strong. You've got Um, nearly 300,000 views or something on it, right? It's 280 something thousand views or something. Is it more than that? I think it's more. Is it? I think it's 300 something. Wow. Maybe. Yeah, huge. 
huge. There's a, a handful of, of bangers yeah. on the channel <laughs> that, are, that are really uh, sort of uh, pulling the channel. Yeah. Because there's a lot of videos that didn't go anywhere. Yeah. Um, and yeah. and um, so you talked about like affiliate links and stuff like that. For someone who uh, maybe doesn't know a whole lot about the different types of uh, how you can make YouTube uh, profitable, what, what are some of the ways that um, you found profitable or that you kind of lean into? Well, in the beginning, you're not making money. Uh, yeah. That's just that's just facts. And, um, you know, it takes a little bit before you get monetized. Uh, I think most people have their subscribers before they have the hours. With me, it was the other way around. I had 4,000 hours way before I had 1,000 subscribers. Nice. Um, but once I did, uh, you know, that was fun. That was exciting. And, you know, seeing those first euros in my case come in um, is really exciting because you're doing something that you really enjoy. It's not work. It doesn't feel like work then. (laughs) And, uh, you know, even if it's just 10 euros, it's money you made doing what you love doing. It's it's amazing, you know? Um, So, but the one thing that you can do from the get-go is, is affiliate links. So you just sign up to Amazon or some other platform that offers affiliate uh, partnerships and, Whenever somebody clicks on your link, you get a tiny percentage of the of the sales value. Um, but you know, a lot of clicks it can it can add up, and at the end of the month, you can have a nice little extra. Right, that's that's. And so I think so. The two you, you talked about there's advertising revenue, which you get once you have a thousand uh, a thousand subscribers and four thousand hours watch time, and then you've the affiliate links, and then you've sponsorship deals as well. Have you have you gone into the sponsorship thing? Yeah, yeah, that started really taking off now the last six months, I'd say. Um, when I hit 5,000 subscribers, uh, I think I was doing a few sponsored videos, but they were usually done with companies that I've chased yeah. to please do a sponsored video <laughs> with me. <laughs> and of course, uh, the bargaining position in that case is, yeah. is weak. Uh, yeah. So I did that for for virtually nothing. Did you get uh, Yeti yet? I know that you're a fan. Did you uh, get the Yeti? No, no, uh, no. It's a it's a long term <laughs> plan. White yeti. That's the big fish. Yeah. yeah. No, I have um, a buddy of mine, Jayhawk, on YouTube. Yeah. He's um, he's a, a lovely channel, and he's going to take off, I'm sure, very soon. But he has been promoting this brand called Ghost Energy Drinks. Yeah. For years, and he's now finally got a, a sponsorship deal with it, with them, which was a dream for him. And uh, you know, I'm secretly wishing that one day Yeti will knock on my door. Yeah. I Yeti, saw it. I saw listening. It. Let's make it happen. Yeti. Yeah. No, is, but these is, sponsorships, uh, they, they took, a, took a while. And now, of yeah. course, I get, I get offers, but that didn't start until at least 10,000 subscribers. Okay. So where, where, was the, uh, where were the hard yards? Uh, so, Patrick, I feel like um, there's, you know, everyone's, your first 100 subscribers is hard or maybe getting to 1,000. There's a lot of motivation to get to 1,000 because you get monetized. But where's the grind? Because you're still not making probably a lot of money until maybe I don't know I don't have any my guess is over 10,000 or something there's like a a tipping point at which this thing becomes viable like where where did you find yourself having to put in the hard yards well definitely in the beginning yeah because uh, nobody knows who you are and you well I didn't know anything about optimizing my videos I I knew what to do but I didn't know how to do it so basically my titles were pretty poor and thumbnails what are thumbnails uh you know (laughs) some tags but there's so many other people doing the same stuff that it's really difficult to get discovered at first Mm -hmm. but I have to say that I was lucky in terms of timing because the iPad was really hot uh, and my video, the first real video, let's say, uh, did get picked up. So I had a couple thousand views, which I think for a very tiny channel is is not normal. No. Um, and from then, I just sort of built on that, which was why I got the watch hours, but I didn't get the subscribers. I'm not sure why. Maybe it's because it still looked kind of amateurish or uh, because I had no catalog. So. Right. Why would anyone say they go oh, this is a great video they yeah. click in to see what you've got and you've got one other video or something like it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly so there's no reason for people to describe to subscribe that sure. early on sure. some family members so yeah. that took a, a while even then in some cases yeah yeah <laughs> uh, it took a while and you know getting to those 1000 yes that was a big drive for me um, because it's a milestone and it's sort of quantifiable um, and then things happened fairly quickly. I got to 5K by the end of that year. And the next year was insane. 
because uh, it went from five to 35, mm-hmm. which, you know, yeah. there's people growing much faster than that. But for me, that was nuts. It, focus, talk us through that. that. That inflection point is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Was it deliberate? Was it just its own momentum? Did YouTube do its thing? What, what, would, what do you attribute that growth to? I mean, it was deliberate in the sense that I wanted to grow, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you it's not, it. I don't think you can really, you have too much influence. You can do things that, that work and, you know, try to replicate them and build on them. But ultimately, it's not really in your control. Um, I just got this momentum going and I, I consistently sort of got three to 4,000 subscribers a month. The views were relatively the same every month. Uh, now they're not because January, let's say roughly to March, are dead time. Uh, and I do feel it already on the channel. Um, but I've, um, I've had the experience last year and I know it's temporary, so I'm trying to stay calm. Seasonal. You're in shopping. You're in the kind of shopping niche as a result. Yeah, right? I mean, it's uh, yes. I mean, last year I was um, I was really frustrated about January and February, and I was just trying to pump out videos and really not understanding why nobody's watching. This year, I thought I'm just going to do some other things. I'm going to try different videos. You know, play around with my with my cameras and my lights to get stuff tuned in. You know, so I'm using it for uh, improvement on the channel the the experimental phase like the blue period every uh, q1 is your let's let's blow it all up let's try it out i mean we we haven't got anything to lose (laughs) exactly so 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 your five to thirty thousand i guess what i meant by deliberate was did you change what you were doing did you ratchet up kind of double the amount of videos or longer or anything like that or were you just kind of just consistent drumbeat and it just happened no, I, I did do that. I mean, um, I think from March onwards, I, I did double down. I've, I've done a, a long period of two videos a week. There we go. Um, I, I spent a, a lot of time on YouTube. Like uh, it and was, it, and you, you have a full time. I mean, this is a part time thing as well, right? It's probably worth yeah. calling out. This is your this is your passion rather than. I could see two videos a week for someone who's doing it full time, but that that's a that's a lot of that's that's commitment there, Patrick. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, and I'm a little bit of a workaholic, so it's kind of, you know, perfect storm for me, but <laughs> even, even for me, it was at some point it was a bit much and I went back to one video a week, yeah. uh, but you you immediately notice that YouTube doesn't like that. Really? It, oh, it does, punish I, it. I mean, we're all speculating, right? But I think you need to be consistent. If it's one video a week, one video a week is fine. If it's two a week, two, but do the two. If you go back to one, they'll just, uh, you know, they won't push your videos as hard. The algorithm. Yeah. It'll get you. The algorithm. You mean the 30 engineers sitting in the corner in San Bruno just, <laughs> this account's looking amazing. He's gone to two. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Yeah. There's definitely a life cycle that the algorithm is programmed to pick up, isn't it? It's got momentum. Is it growing? Is it got credibility? Is it decaying? Is it now no longer invested? I think they're, kind of signals it's just a number of signals all layered together kind of compound yeah, just I, think so. yeah. I mean it's uh the way i view it is it's it's an, an advertising platform first and foremost mm-hmm. right and a search engine of course but on on google's end it's an advertising platform mm-hmm. so w- what do they want they want people to tune in and stay on your channel as long as possible see as many ads as possible yeah so they want you to be consistent and i also think that's the reason why they push you in a certain niche if you try to branch off, they're not sure if it's going to work. They don't like that. They don't want risk. Just keep doing iPad videos, buddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, 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 and what's the, what's the, like, so they, so there's a, you know, the saying the riches are in the niches. They call niche niches here in the US uh, oh. or, or, you know, niche down to blow up. Those are all the things that they tell all the new YouTubers. But, mm. um, you know, you do, you do have to pivot if you're going to continue to grow you know whatever your plans are for your channel but if you want to get that to if you want to have a million subscribers possibly need to expand or do more kind of tell us how how do you how do you kind of beta test that patrick or i I saw you did a a video with some other collaborators recently kind of um trying new things like tell me about that thought process and how you kind of uh, expand your niche yeah so that was kind of uh you're talking about a a video about starting a youtube channel yeah sort of collected uh i think eight uh, other uh, YouTubers to give their one thing they wish they'd known when they started. Nice. Um, because it's January and I think a lot of people, you know, have this New Year's resolution of starting a channel. Yeah, for sure. It might, mm-hmm, it might be helpful. And the other thing is that, uh, you know, like I said, it's, uh, you know, there's space to try new things. 
the video, I think was it was a good video, but um, everybody thinks their own videos are good when they publish. I think, uh, I think honestly, not just because you're on this podcast, I think it's a great video. I think it's a classic example of it's outside your niche. And, and uh, you know, who do you pump this video out to? I actually think it'll be a slow burn. I think it'll be one that will be one. I think it'll be big over time. But anyway, yeah, for, for anyone who hasn't watched it, they should definitely watch that video because uh, it is a great video. Yeah. The link, the link will be below, obviously, yep. in posts, Marcus, you're on that. Our editor yeah. will do that. <laughs> yeah, no, but you're right. It's it's a very good example of what we just talked about because it's uh, absolutely out of my niche. The other thing is that, uh, or my niche, the other thing is that there's so many of those videos and they're done by channels that are actually YouTube growth channels and they have the the audience and, you know, they have YouTube's ear or eye. Um, I'm just one of them trying to do the same thing. Well, not the same thing. I, I hope it was a bit unique in a way, but the video just, it didn't take off, even though, you know, there's a lot of engagement. Uh, a lot of people were quite enthusiastic about it, but it's not doing... Uh, what my other videos sometimes do, mm-hmm. which is to just have this moment where they just peak. This one just sort of fizzled out. So, so what I love from afar, what I loved seeing you doing though was that you were you were approaching it like a problem you were trying to solve. So, so that you've got a couple of tools at your disposal. You've got a title. You've got a thumbnail. You've also got community. So you've got you did some polls. I saw you doing things like. I can't remember your exact question, but it was like, were you shown, if you're a subscriber, you know, subscribers of mine, were you shown this video? Yes or no? Or, you know, and I can see you trying to get as much information out of this experiment you've kind of done to learn as much as you can from it. And I think that that, that's always a good sign. You know, that's like, you're going to learn as much as you can from this. And, uh, you know, I think that that, talk me through that kind of, how are you approaching trying to kind of gather that information? Yeah, so I mean, the, the the thing that I've been doing recently is having a, a few thumbnails ready, um, because I've noticed that they have a lot to do with the click through rate. I mean, the, the the topic is important, the title is important, but so is the uh, the thumbnail, and it's usually one of those three things that decides whether people click on it. The thumbnail that I did at first was um, basically nine creators next to each other, which was. You know, I I had trouble deciding how to visualize who's in the video. And of course, nine next to each other on a very small phone is difficult. So I decided to change that first into a more eye-catching thumbnail. That didn't really do anything to the CTR. So then I just pulled my audience to say, did you actually see this video? Uh, Or did you see it, uh, but you didn't care for it? So you just, you know, uh, kept scrolling. And it turned out that most of the subscribers answered that they didn't see the video, even right. though they have uh, all notifications clicked. Right. And uh, and this kind of um, confirmed my suspicion that YouTube just doesn't show it mm-hmm. to your subscribers because it's not your niche content. Right. It's incredible that YouTube knows that this is not a review of an iPad. This is something <laughs> different and we need to go slower with this one. I, I It's... I mean, I don't know if, yeah. you, if you just stuffed the tags with iPad, Apple, and went for it, I reckon you would have gotten, <laughs> gotten twenty four to forty eight hours of a free run. Just put a mm-hmm. thumbnail of an iPad, and then yeah, <laughs> or just just like mention subliminally in the back in the third audio track, just Apple, iPad. And That's the thing. They, they, I think they pull a lot of metadata out of what you're actually saying. It yeah. gets transcribed. They do, to the they whole do screen share. Yeah. yeah, you just had to have everyone hold up an iPad during their conversation, <laughs> and then you would have. You should take all this advice advice super seriously because we've had a hundred views on our first podcast and almost 50 on our second and third so you know there's a lot to be learned here from us patrick you know we don't know what you're talking about news resolutions getting a new channel out in january that's not us at all we literally just, just before you came on we had a bit of a chat about how we should start doing more than just recording these and not telling anyone about them so uh we should probably push push this content out a bit more but but, but in many ways marcus you're you're kind of you have your own channel going into tech reviews and gear as well yeah. and this in a way is your diversification kind of story part of it's, it's something different you and i hanging out just for context metric it's our motivation is just to hang out together whatever happened on the side kind of happens part of it's diversification in terms of a different topic but also a different medium right you're going into audio you know plus the visual i'm wondering how you think about that multi-channel story patrick how when do you start diversifying do you have an ig you're pumping out there on reels on stories on twitter and everywhere else or are you kind of focused youtube double down well, that was actually one of the things that were discussed in the uh, in that YouTube advice video. 
which uh, I watched, and we should cut this bit out just so we're on the same page. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> I, I, I didn't. I'm sorry. Yeah. It, no, it was um, actually this Jayhawk who I just mentioned. Uh, it was his tip, and he said, uh, yeah, "Be on other social media, be active, and you know, don't underestimate the power of pulling that audience to your YouTube." And I. I was never big on social media. I mean, I had my Facebook account because I'm old and I have uh, Twitter, <laughs> but I didn't really use it. Uh, so, and the other thing is I was hesitant about social media because at first, because my job is completely different from what I'm doing on YouTube, I didn't really want to mix anything. I, I just kept yeah. it very quiet. Mm, yeah. So mm. I'm not using my normal social media to you know, promote anything. So I set up different ones for YouTube as my alter ego. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, I spent virtually no time on those. So my audiences on Instagram and uh, and Twitter are very, very small. And I only recently started posting a little bit more because uh, I noticed that not only for the audience, but also for sponsors, it's interesting if they have more uh, that you can offer them in a uh, package. Okay. And so you're saying that Rambles is not your last name. You're not Mr. Rambles. Is that what we're to take from that? I've just been that's, assuming that's not my, we're going to have my, Mr. Rambles. No. <laughs> we're going to beep it out. Yeah. Um, so um, I hear that. I hear that you're saying that you didn't use a whole lot of social beyond YouTube. I'm, in, I'm really impressed with the community you've built, though, in terms of to be able to pull in nine other creators to do. And these are not. Uh, unknown creators like I know Jayhawk I actually saw the video where he was delighted with his new sponsorship deal and and he's been really you know he had all those cans on his desk and he's delighted Um, I also watch uh, Tom uh, Mm. uh, what's Tom's name again yes so um, you know they're 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 uh, I think they're up and coming some of those creators I'm really surprised that they're not way bigger than they are so how did you build that kind of uh community and uh you know make relationships that someone's actually going to give you content for your channel and i've also mm-hmm. seen them promoting that video in your comments feed and on twitter and things like that to, to try and help boost it like how, how do you make that happen yeah they did a they, they really did a good job in trying to boost it but you know then still didn't go anywhere right but uh yeah how did i well like like I've, I wasn't very active on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I didn't post a lot. So I, you know, I'm, I didn't do anything to gain uh, followers or, you know, subscribers or whatever, but I did um, reach out to people from time to time uh, on a, on a, you know, on a bilateral basis. Mm-hmm. Tom is one of those people that, that is uh, partially also uh, uh, responsible for my gas. Uh, you, know, you, you know his channel he's always talking about really cool gear it's all about audio and stuff and uh, microphones and all the things you you kind of have to get interested in when you're starting a youtube channel i've paid uh, i've paid probably for a couple of lunches for tom through affiliate links like this microphone yeah. also this <laughs> roadcaster pro that's a tom one uh, i'm thinking of the adam mini They're, those are all tom uh clicks for sure yeah i mean tom <laughs> needs to get shares in road I'm, yeah I'm serious. he loves it and the video the his thumbnails are fire by the way he yeah, they are his yeah. blue his blue theme and his thumbnails he just he crushes you know yeah yeah well that's the thing about tom he has a, a really really strong brand on on youtube yeah you, you can immediately tell when it's his video mm-hmm. it's something that i'm still working on i'm just trying to see what works and stuff but he has this really distinct style with his own font and all that kind of stuff so that's really amazing so but tom has been extremely helpful from the beginning i always had a bunch of questions for him which he then answered and he's probably uh, you know been uh, annoyed with me a few times but um he, he's just uh, generally a nice guy who's willing to help and um it's you know the, it's he, the teacher he, in him right he's a teacher yeah, so i think he's i like, think so yeah. he's, he's excellent at that that's yeah. probably why his videos are so good right um and the other guys also, I just met, uh, you know, um, El Jefe. I actually met very early on on YouTube when I uh, entered this competition of, uh, you know, sub 1,000 subscribers videos. Uh, and I got in second and he was the guy who had to call me that I won this B&H um, uh, check that I couldn't use. Oh, and, no. Uh, <laughs> That's a great check. I gave it to a friend in the U.S. Nice. But, um, you know, so these are people that I just met along the way and that I kept in contact with. Yeah. Uh, Jayhawks, also somebody that I just really think his style is really interesting. And, yeah. uh but yeah, reached out and yeah, all of them I basically met bilaterally. That's great. That's great. So what was the thing that, what was your biggest surprise about it? What's the thing you, you know, I didn't expect that or, um, 
you know, I knew I was going to be making videos and I thought I might make some advertising or whatever, but I didn't expect X. What? Uh, you mean about the general YouTube experience? Anything about the whole being a creator, the fact that you recorded that first paper-like video, what was the thing you didn't expect to get from it that you're, you have now? I mean, honestly, there's a lot of things that I didn't expect. Um, one is that uh, it would be so much work. That's probably the one thing, I, because when you're watching YouTube videos, it seems so easy, right? You just <laughs> sit in front of the camera for half an hour and you edit for half an hour more and that's yeah. it, right? And the rest of the day you play Xbox. Yeah. That's what people think about YouTubers, which is obviously not the case. Mm -hmm. And you have to learn so many new skills. I didn't know anything about cameras. I thought if I just buy this cropped sensor, uh, Canon M6, then I will have this amazing camera quality looking videos uh, instead of just using my phone, which of course, me, camera means nothing if you don't know how to use it. Mm -hmm. So so I had to spend a lot of time on uh, learning new skills, audio, cameras, lighting, all that stuff. Um, the other thing I really, really didn't know is that uh, that there is such a big, uh, re relatively close community behind tech YouTube, and I'm sure in other niches or mm -hmm. niches as well. Mm -hmm. um, that is to me, like it's been probably the thing that kept me going the most. I have a few little chats uh, in Telegram or, you know, WhatsApp um, with other creators that are on the same page, on the same level-ish. Um, you know, we're sharing stuff, bouncing ideas back and forth. And, um, you know, also like disappointments when you feel frustrated and it's kind of yeah, like your family will be there, but they don't really understand. Right. right? Because yeah. YouTube is a very strange hobby and yeah. nobody really gets it. <laughs> so it's nice to talk to people that, that actually know immediately understand what you're talking about. So community has been an amazing uh, added bonus for me. I made some real friends. Um, yeah. And also the, the sponsorships. I mean, I've, I would have, I wouldn't have dreamt that within a year or maybe a year and a half, I would have all these companies, you know, reach out and sending me stuff. The free products in the beginning were just like, why, why are they sending me all this free stuff? What did I do to deserve this? You know? And then of course you wake up and you realize that you're actually being a very cheap advertiser. Yeah. That's great. Those are all things that I didn't see, see coming in the beginning. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, what would you, what would you say to someone who is thinking about doing something like this? Like, um, yeah. What? A, yeah. Well, I feel like I might even have a more narrow question. Like there was something, there was something about the fact that as well that you're no, you know, you're not a 22 year old uh, designer coming out or whatever, someone at university. That it's something like you're. It's clear to me you got a serious day job. You say you're a workaholic, and you're you're finding time. You're you're saying this is your hobby. You squeeze this in. What might you say to someone who's in a similar situation in terms of I've got a serious day job. I kind of don't really want my colleagues to know I'm doing this, but I would love to do something like this. What would you say to them? I would say, say do and it. And it might just be just for me. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah I would say do it. Um, and do it. Uh, sometimes people ask me if I would do it differently, if I would be more open in the beginning, you know, and I still don't really have an answer. I think I would have done it the same way because now I'm a little, I'm, I don't, promote the fact that I have a YouTube channel to most of my people in, in my work sphere, but I don't hide it. Mm -hmm. And the people that find out they're they've all been really supportive and, and enthusiastic. Um, but I don't know if I would have wanted them to see my channel in the very beginning. Sure. If you know what I mean? So yeah. I would probably still keep it on the download, but do it. I mean, it's just something I wish I'd, I'd done it earlier. Because like you said, I'm not 22 and no. I don't know what my expiration date in Techland is, uh, but uh, it's, it's there, I'm sure. I don't know. Uh, I hope not. I hope not. I think there's still plenty of room for, I think if you, yeah, well, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm in denial myself. Like Rami's, <clears throat> Rami's super old and he's still doing it, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> you, you don't understand the walking frame that's holding me up. Patrick, while you were talking there, I could have sworn you were talking about an OnlyFans channel. Was it the, was it the nature of kind of the uh, I'm wondering how much of this is to do with stigma or perceived stigma around YouTube and being a YouTuber is it generational is it the nature of your you know the the gap between your daytime uh, work and YouTube what, what what was it that was making you think no no I need to hide this and keep it underground 
And the latter, for sure, because um, I, I'm a lobbyist uh, in in the EU, so the good kind, I would say. <laughs> no, the thing is that, you know, lobbyists have a really, really bad stigma in the US and it's not quite the same over here. That's just something I, uh, I noticed. But uh, there is, of course, a big, big difference between being a lobbyist and then interacting with politicians and representing businesses, which is quite serious and quite dull at times. Um, and there's a certain reputation that goes with that. And I, I just felt that, you know, the sort of frivolous nature of YouTube and, you know, it's almost like we're just boys having fun, you know, which is exactly what it is, but <laughs> I just felt it didn't mix. So I kept it quiet. I didn't know what my clients would think if they, you know, found out. Um, in the end, I, I think it doesn't matter, but it's just something that I that I didn't feel comfortable. No, I, I, to- I totally get it. That makes sense. Uh, when we were gearing up for this call, when you said you were a lobbyist, so so Patrick, context, Patrick is in Belgium. Uh, and when you said you were a lobbyist, I was like, please don't be an anti-beer lobbyist or something. Like, can we, can that not be what you do? So relieved to know that that's not one of your, uh, no. you know, your strong <clears throat> beliefs because that, that would just- struggle with that. No, that's right. I'm, I'm <laughs> so many YouTube questions. I'm wondering uh, where you're taking it. What, what happens? What's, what's the grand vision? Do you have one? Do you? Are you? How hard are you pivoting? Are you getting a full production crew? Where, where does it stop? Yeah, I mean that's a really interesting question. It's something that's been on my mind uh, a lot because, like you said, it's it's a hobby still. It's uh, I mean there's it's generating some money, but it's definitely not something uh, that I would feel comfortable dropping everything else for uh, financially just yet. Um, but I do see that there is a potential. You know, there's a lot of, it's not just YouTube. When you're exposing yourself in that way, there's other offers coming your way too. I mean, I've had companies ask me if I can do a corporate video for them. You know, there's always these little extra things. And it makes me realize that YouTube can become a, a, an actual viable business. Um, a year ago, I would have said, if you'd asked me, would you ever consider doing this full time? I would have just laughed and said, no, of course not. This is a hobby. Uh, but you know, I'm actually falling in love with it more and more. And uh, I wouldn't say that I would, you know, quit my other business and, and, you know, go for it full time. But I definitely started looking at YouTube as, as a business, as a very, um, as a viable business and as a business that can grow by quite a bit, you know, from where, from where I'm right now. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I keep, I'm keeping all the doors open. And I'm um, definitely, I have a, definitely a plan to grow this thing further. Brilliant. I'll be and watching. You, yeah, from the yeah, sidelines. We'll be watching very keenly. Very, very keenly. We were there at 40K. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm just fascinated to see when, when you do start to, when it does click that it's the business story, where, where do you start pouring the fuel on the fire? When do you start reinvesting in having a crew behind it? When do you actually start employing? Like when, yeah. when does it flick the switch? Yeah, that's 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 a, a good question. Also, I mean, um, I, I don't think I'm there yet. I don't want to invest in. Uh, but what I've been investing in is uh, is gear, and uh, <laughs> not because of my gas, but uh, because I think it's it's important. I mean, um, audio is so important. So I, I I wanted to dial that down first, and then lighting becomes important. And of course, you want to replace those cheap lights that you got at first with some better lights and stuff. But there is a, a point which I think I'm getting at where you you don't need to replace stuff and you have like enough to work in your home studio. Um, but my, my big goal for 2024 is to have a dedicated studio outside of my house. Um, and I think that will be the time that I also think about giving things out of my, you know, out of hands because, um, I, I currently, I wouldn't feel comfortable giving my videos to an editor, for instance, I really want to have my own footprint there and, you know, my, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a control freak, but uh, currently I, I just don't see it happening. Also financially, I think it's it's not viable yet to hire somebody. So, and I haven't reached that pivoting point. And this is, you know, maybe it's a slide long chat. How much of the working from home during how much the COVID part of your being a COVID creator was around this tangibleness and feeling like you had an output you know, your other job, was it harder to do working from home? Did it, did it give you less kind of meaning? How do you think about the COVID aspect of it? 
No, definitely. I mean, uh, be, being a lobbyist is, uh, is a people business. Usually you're traveling all the time and uh, meeting people and going to, you know, right. events and stuff. None of that is happening now, of course. So my desk, uh, oh, sorry, my job became a desk job from being a 20% desk job to almost a hundred percent desk job. Right. I can do my work this way and I am doing my work this way, but yeah, a lot of the, uh, the excitement, the joy out of it pretty much. So, so this is definitely something that, um, helped, uh, stomach all of that because this is the fun part, let's say. And you're getting this feedback from your audience, from other creators. You've got like a, tangible metrics for sure, but you've got this feedback loop that warm and fuzzy on a regular basis, right? On, on every, yeah, every I mean, it's definitely some, it's definitely some, uh, some dopamine, uh, related stuff there as well. Uh, you know, in the beginning I was always, um, I was using uh, TubeBuddy. I don't know if I can say that, uh, the app, I was constantly just pulling at that thing to see, you know, Oh God, 10 more views, 10 more views, stop doing that. But I still kind of live in the analytics. I'm always checking way too often, actually. So I'm trying to <laughs> trying to do that a little bit less, but uh, you know, at health. least once yeah. an hour, I'm, I'm looking at my stats. <clears throat> there are wor- worse addictions in life, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Patrick, I really want to thank you for taking the time today. One, you had to get up early two days because of a mix up <laughs> early in the week. I really appreciate your time. Um, it's been really great talking to you today. And uh, yeah, and the best of luck. We'll be watching from the sidelines, rooting you on, you know. Yeah, you too, guys. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you so much, Patrick. Such a pleasure to meet you, man. I, I, I'm interested in this for a couple of threads. One is YouTube insights. Um, two is the more it went on, the more I thought to myself, this is actually you building community. And then three, this is the first interview type thing. Genuinely, John was much more of a chat, whereas this is actually interview probing, mm-hmm. etc. That's a new experience. It's a new genre. It's a new thing in and of itself. Someone at his prime hitting an inflection point deep in the weeds and is keen. This is a passion that shows and really, really wants to talk about it. And that's what we talked about. That's exactly mm-hmm. what you want from guests. And I feel like that's what interviews are, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's someone bringing it across. Oh, good fun. Good learning. Oh, also like just what a cool thing to fucking do on a Wednesday night. This guy goes like he rocks up. It, he blows up. I go, yeah, we were an interview with this guy when we had no subs. We were just, just yeah. chatting, getting to know. Yeah, yeah. he will. I mean, his content is really, really good. Really high quality is what I would say. And he's he's driven. It's very clear. And I'm not kidding. You can see the ones who are really trying. He's When a video doesn't hit, he's checking why didn't it hit. He's, he's working on it, you know. So uh, those are the good ones.